Good morning. Hope you like the choir. And um, I know Eddie and they're both happy with the dedication. It's nice to dedicate our children to the Lord. Where else could we dedicate them? That would be wise. So we're going to be going into um, the book of Luke. So Luke chapter 23. And we don't have a lot of time, so let's, uh, let's move quickly. Because I want to make sure everybody gets to enjoy the rest of their day. And I pray that this would be a good word for you. Luke 23, verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a writing, a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save you yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for another day that you've blessed us with, Lord. We praise you on high, and as we spend time, some valuable time, contemplating these words of Scripture, we pray that they would be words that would enter our heart and stay there for a while, Lord. And they would do the work that you have ordained them to do in each one of us and affect our life the way they need to affect our life and to the degree that they need to affect our life. And we pray that your name be glorified and your voice be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
three crosses. A lot of times we talk about the cross and we talk about Christ and we talk about the Savior. And who was he? Who was he? He was the Savior, the Savior of the world. And what does it say? It says that two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him. With who? With Jesus. Two other men were led out with him. Criminals. And it said to be executed. They were executing him like he was a dog. Like he was a criminal. Like he had done something wrong. And who was he? King of kings, Lord of lords. And what did they keep saying? Is he the Christ? Is he the Christ? So when we spend time reading this and going through these, I want you to think about three crosses, four choices. Three crosses, and there were four choices. There was a cross that Jesus hung on, and there was a choice that he made. There was a second criminal, the thief, or you can call him the first one, the first thief. He made a choice that day at Calvary on the hill called the skull. What a name for a place for the son of God to be hanging and crucified, the skull. Second thief, the third man on the cross, made a choice. We're going to talk about the choices. And then there's a fourth choice. A fourth choice that has been made since that day and made by mankind. And we'll talk about that a little bit. It says when they crucified him, They said that they crucified him along with two criminals, one on his right side and one on his left side. And as they crucified him, imagine him. And if you saw the film, which everybody has talked about, and I hope you haven't forgot the film that really depicted the reality of what happened that day. This is the man that hung on the cross and said these words. He's been battered. He's been brutally dealt with. He's been spit upon. And if you go to previous uh, verses in chapter 22, verse 63, it says, the men who were guarding Jesus began mocking him and beating him. This is the beginning When he was captured, it's not even on the cross. It's not even a thing like, let's just take him to the cross and crucify him. That's bad enough. But no, let's mock him and let's beat him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy who hit you. And they said many, many, many other insulting things to the son of God. This is before the cross. So we're going to talk about the first person on the cross, which is Christ. He deserves to have all of the time I spend, really. 
He is the man, the Son of God, on the cross. But before he went to the cross, this is what happened. They beat him. They spit on him. They battered him. They whipped him. They abused him. And what did he say on the cross? Battered. Hardly recognizable. And the scriptures say he was not recognizable. You could not recognize him. Flesh everywhere. Blood everywhere. On the cross, hanging with nails and spikes in his hands. What did he say? What did he say? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Who? Forgive them. No, forgive the people that have actually done this to me. He wasn't saying forgive the people who were actually out there just watching. Forgive my followers for deserting me. Forgive the ladies out there that are bawling and in pain and wailing. Forgive them for not saving me or rescuing me. He says, no, forgive them. Who's them? All of them. Forgive the one that put the nail in my hand. Forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive the one that put the nail in my feet. Forgive the guy that actually blindfolded me, the soldier that was sitting there beating me. Forgive him. Forgive the ones that were in there wagging their heads and looking at him, the priest and the religious leaders. Forgive them, each one of them. Each one of them, forgive them. Who could do that other than the Son of God? You ever thought about that? There are people in here maybe haven't thought about that. Haven't really thought about that. He said, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. They don't have a clue that it's me, God, Father. They don't have a clue that I'm your son. They don't have a clue. And what did he do? This is this has happened after the fact. The fact of what? He's been in ministry. See, it's not just we should just look at the Christ on the cross and say, wow, that's amazing that he is asking them, the batterers, the brutal guards, the the, the religious leaders who are mocking him. No, let's go back. Who is he? Who is this man? Well, let's go back and look at him. Let's go back to Matthew 9:13. You want to see who he was? Because who he was is who he is. When he went to the cross, he had that background still behind him. He was the man that had walked the earth for 3 years, and what was he doing? Well, Matthew 9:13 says that I have not come to call the righteous, but to sinners. He said, I came here for one purpose, to call sinners. For what? To salvation. Another verse, Mark 5.39, and you don't need to go there. Just kind of hang out and listen. Mark 5.39, what was going on? It's the dead girl and the sick woman. And it talks about 
if you go to verse 39, it says he went in, and this is this is a man who, um, and 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 his wife who lost their daughter, and she's 12 years old. She's 12 years old, and she's dead. She's dead. And they call him. It says he went in and said to them, why all of this commotion and wailing? Why are you wailing? Why? The child is not dead but asleep. And what did they do? They laughed at him. It's not the first time that he heard laughter when he was on the cross. They laughed at him from the beginning. They laughed at him. Who are you? What are you doing here? She is dead. We felt her pulse. Look at her condition. Her skin is white. There's numbness there. She's dead. What did he do? After he put them all out, he says, the laughers, the mockers, you step out for a minute. He took the child's father and mother. Think about the compassion of our God. He took the father and the mother and said, you come. And the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kanon, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And what happened? She got up. He gave her back to her parents. You're the parents. Your daughter is dead. Jesus comes and raises her. What impact did you think that had on her? This is what a writer wrote about him. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, that blessed one who spent his life in labors of love. This was one of the labors of love. Healing the sick. Cleansing lepers, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, drying the widow's eyes, meeting every form of human need, every single form of human need, ever ready to drop the tear of true sympathy, not false sympathy, not pretentious sympathy, but true sympathy with every child of sorrow whose meat and drink it was to do the will of God and to do good to man. That's who he was. And this was one illustration. And then if we go to Matthew 14, 14, 14, like I said, you don't have to go there, but if you do, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He saw a large crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. He didn't just heal their sick. He says he said to them, after the apostles, it said, send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy some food. They told the Savior that. He said, they don't need to go away. I'm here. Let's feed him. And what did he do? He said he, he took the loaves and the fish and he gave thanks. And what happened? They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. 
and then they picked up baskets of broken pieces. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So when we talk about who was the first man on the cross, Jesus, the man, the king of kings and lord of lords that went around the world, he came to earth to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, and to love those that needed loving, and to save those that were lost. And we're going to go one more verse, Matthew 20, 30. And it says that there was two blind men who were sitting by the roadside, and they heard that Jesus was coming by. And they said, Lord, Son of God, have mercy on me. And what did he do? Jesus, in verse 34, says, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. He had a job to do. And what was his job? He healed the deaf. He healed the mute. He healed the blind man at Bethsaida. He healed those that were brokenhearted. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he gave women and men water, the water of life. On the cross. He was on the cross. This is the man when they talk about who was on the cross that day. I want you to think about it. This is the man that was on the cross. This is the man that they were persecuting. This is the man that they were driving the nails into his hands. And he came for one reason. To save. To help. To assist. To love. And I want you to think about that this morning. The lover. And that's where he was. Now let's talk about the second man just for a minute. He was the second thief. And, you know, over each one of their, their crosses, there was a plaque. And what did Jesus' plaque say? King of the Jews. Right? What do you think was over the second man's plaque? What is over his, 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 um, his cross? What do you think the plaque said? Loser? Thief? Common thief? Common thief. That's what he was. He was a common thief. What about him? I want you to think about him. And see, the thief we're talking about is the one that basically, he's the one that rebuked the other thief. He's the one that said, what are you doing? What are you doing talking about the Savior? It says that in verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. This is the second thief. This is the man that if you read the other versions, it says that both persecuted him. If you read Mark and Matthew, it says both of them hurled insults at him. So this second man on the cross, a thief, initially 
was hurling insults at the Savior. Insult after insult after insult after insult. What happened to him? You thought about that? What happened to this man? Think about where did he come from? Where was he? Where did he come from? It doesn't tell the story about this man. It tells about Jesus. We can read the scriptures and see he only did good. He walked the earth healing the brokenhearted, healing the sick, loving those that needed loving, saving those that needed saving, feeding those that were hungry. It's clear. It's written in the scriptures. Who was he? He was a man from heaven, pure, no sin, sinless man, God's son. What about the thief, though, the one that was up there that was hurling abuses at him, saying, who are you? Because initially he said that. Who are you? What are you doing up here? Get me off the cross. I mean, just like they were saying, they were saying he saved others. Why don't he save? Why doesn't he save himself? That's what everybody was hurling at him. The guards were, were hurling that at him. Who else was hurling? The Roman guards were hurling it. They were slinging it in his face. The religious leaders were saying, what's happening? If you're the man, you said you're the man, get off the cross. I'm telling you, this man said the same thing. What are you doing? Get us off the cross. Get me off the cross. Save me. You're the, if you're the Lord, come down off the cross and take us too and let's, let me free. Something happened. But who was he? You ever thought who he was? Where did he come from? Where did he spend his time? Why was he a thief? He probably justified being a thief. My mom, my dad, they left each other. They had a separation. We lived in poverty. We lived in squalor. I didn't have the advantages that they had over in Jerusalem. My parents didn't really give me a good life. So I'm taking off and I'm going to thief. I'm going to take stuff for free. Because I should. I need it. What do you think was going on in his mind as a thief? How does a thief become a thief? And where was he? Why did this man change? I believe that if when we get to heaven, we'll find out that he was hanging out around Jesus. He happened to maybe walk by the blind man who had his sight. He happened to walk by him and look at him and the blind man said, how are you today? He says, fine. He said, do you know about Jesus? No, I don't know about Jesus. I've heard about this guy. And the blind man says, but he, he gave me my sight. What do you mean he gave you your sight? Well, all I know is I was blind and now I see. He says, what do you mean? He gave me my sight. Oh, okay. And then walked on. Saw an opportunity to steal again and, and he stole again. But he happened to be in a house maybe, close to a house where Matthew was called. And there were sinners there. Tax collectors hanging out. And he's kind of hanging out because that's his element. And he's listening. And he hears things going on. And he's like, who is this guy? What's going on? Who is this guy? And maybe even stole something in that house and got away. But eventually what happened was he traveled around. And I bet he came in contact with people who knew Christ. And maybe even was out there when he was feeding the 5,000. And he was one of the 5,000. Figuring I'm going to take an opportunity to eat something because it's free. And I like free stuff. I go for free. I don't work. Give me something free. Opportunity. 
took that bread and that fish and ate it, looked down, didn't praise God, but he ate it and said, it's great. Thank you very much. Stomach full. Walked away. Then one day he got caught. He got busted. And then what happened? You were sentenced to die. And he's in the cell room sitting there thinking about death. Maybe he's close to Jesus. Maybe he's hearing what's going on, the abuse. Maybe he's listening to the Roman guards and how they brutalize him. And all of a sudden, something's happening in his heart. Something's working on him. Something's happening. And he's starting to see, wait a minute. This guy they call Jesus, huh, I don't know. Something seems like it's, I'm uncomfortable now. I'm uncomfortable. Something's not right. He seems like maybe it's real. This man is doing something I haven't seen anybody do. He's taking the abuse. He's allowing them to hit him. And he's still doing one thing. He's loving them. What's up with that? And then he gets up on the cross. And he's slinging abuses. Slinging abuses. And slinging abuses. And then he hears these words. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he says, oh, my God. Forgive them. Forgive me. Are you saying you forgive me? Are you saying you forgive me for slinging insults at you? Are you saying you can forgive these people for how they've treated you? Are you saying that you can forgive those who've done this to you? And it crushed his spirit. And he said, he must be the Savior. He must be the Savior. A normal man can't do that. I've watched him. I've mocked him. I've listened to him. I haven't believed, but now my eyes see. He's been consistent all this time. He's loved and loved and loved and loved. And he's loving even on the cross. And he got touched. And he got affected. And he defended the Savior. And you know what? He didn't have to do anything, did he? Could he walk around and kind of serve God at that moment? Could he use his hands to say, I want to earn salvation? Let me earn it. Let me, buy, let me do some things that can earn salvation. His hands are nailed to a cross. His feet, he can't walk. He can't walk with the Savior. So let me do some good deeds so I can earn this salvation. He wasn't even expecting it, and that's what I believe. He just said, remember me. When you get to your kingdom, I know you're the son of God. All I want you to do is remember me. Just think about me. Just have a little glimmer in your eye and say, I remember that guy on the cross. And, you know, he was a thief, worthless thief. But I remember him. God said, remember you? What do you mean remember you? He said, I see myself finally. That's what happened to him. He saw himself finally as a sinner, and he took responsibility for that. I deserve to be here. He saw it. Finally, he got to the point of recognition. I deserve to be here. And that's what it takes for a Christian to become a Christian. You have to get to a point where you say, I deserve death. I don't deserve anything. 
I have done so much wrong, I have not earned what God can give, the free gift of God. I haven't earned it. I can't do anything to earn it. He realized that. I am a sinner. You're the Savior. I can't do anything. Just give me a little thought. He asked for a thought. And what did he get? He got an invitation. He just said, just give me a little glimmer of something, of hope. And he was given salvation. He said, just give me a little memory. And he was given paradise. He asked for so little. And God gave him so much. What happened? He finally saw the Savior, who he really was. And he saw himself, who he really was. Do you know who you are? Have you seen yourself? Do you recognize who you are? Do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as a sinner in need of salvation? Do you look at your life and say, well, it's not right. I'm not really happy. Things aren't working out the way I intended them to be, to work out. Things are falling apart and I can't fix them. And the Savior's knocked on the door and you've kind of had a little interaction with him. And he's affected you a little bit, but, but you haven't really gave your life to him. You kind of mocked him a little bit. You kind of said, well, I'll believe one day. I don't know. These Christians are strange characters. They don't really have it together. I don't know what they're doing. The Savior, you know, Jesus, what do you mean Jesus? You know, I hear about him, but he's just a good guy. Have you thought that? Do you know the Savior's talking to you? As he talked to this man on the cross and said, you know, I'm real. I am real. And that love that he had then is the same love he has right now. He passed the love through the scriptures and said, I'm sharing my word, my testimony about who I am to you so that I can save you. So that one day I can say, I will see you in paradise. And you know that's a choice. There was three men. There was four choices. Jesus made the choice. You know what his choice was? The people stood watching and the rulers sneered at him and they said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he's the Christ, God, Christ of God. And they said, come down off of the cross. Do you know what his decision was, what his choice was? I am not coming off the cross until Adel Ackle is saved and all the blood that I need to spill has to be spilled. I can't spill one less drop because there's a brother in Africa and in Asia and in Yugoslavia and in France that I have to save. So every single drop of blood I'm spilling. So am I coming off the cross? No, I'm not coming off the cross because I care about every one of them who are going to be saved because of giving their life to me. I have to pay the price to set them free. And the price was, what did he do? He spilled his blood. Every drop. Did he come off the cross? He made a decision, a choice that day. I am not coming off the cross. I am not until you're saved. 
I paid the price so that you can be saved. So I can be saved. And what did he do? He made the choice and he died on the cross. But he died when? When it was finished. When it was complete. What happened to the second criminal, the thief? He realized. He saw. He said, I got it. I got it. I I got it. I see the love. I see him. I I see him. He's real. He loves me. I I can't even earn it. I can't even do anything. Please forgive me, Lord. Little did he know he was going to be in paradise that day. But there was a third one, wasn't there? That was the one that mocked him. You know, the, he probably, if you look at his life, what do you think he did? He probably hung out with the other one. Maybe they were buddies. But his heart was a little colder, obviously. He wasn't touched by the Savior's actions. He kept walking around the Savior, and the Savior's doing all these wonderful things. He's hearing about him. He's seeing him. He's watching him. He sees the same Savior on the cross, but he says no. Why? His heart was cold. It had gotten cold, colder and colder and colder and colder. And the love of Christ didn't penetrate it. It could have, but he wouldn't allow it. He said no. No thanks. No thanks. Let me go without you. Let me go to hell. That's where I'm going. And, you know, I don't really believe you anyway. I don't believe you're who you are. Do you know there's many people who are going to be going to hell because they don't believe who the Savior is? They don't believe him. They don't believe he's the Savior of the world. If you heard about him and you don't believe him, believe me, you're accountable. He is the same Savior today. He says, I love you. I died for you. And all you have to do is choose me. All you have to do is invite me into your heart. And some people say, I want to wait for a while. This man waited. And guess what? He said no. He said no. Reject. Not today. And he didn't get another day. How many more days do you think we have? The people who really want to question it, that do we believe that Christ is um, coming today? Well, of course not. If we don't believe in him, we don't even think he's coming today. We don't even think he's coming tomorrow. But there will be a day when people will understand that he is coming. And when he comes, it's going to be a wake-up call. But what I love about this passage is that he shows the love of God. And the scriptures talk about that a lot. It says Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is all of us, and are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 4 says, but because of his great love, do you understand his love is not small? It says because of his great love, he has great love for every single person in here. It's not a little love. It's a great love. It's an all surpassing love enough to hang on a cross and accept the abuse that he accepted enough to be nailed and mocked and beat. That's love. If you don't see love in that, I can't illustrate love. He said. His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. 
It is by grace. And one of the favorite, most favorite verses in the scriptures is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He doesn't want any of us to perish. Any. And that's for God so loved the world that he gave his son so that we can have a life. Salvation. And he keeps knocking on the doors of people's hearts. And how does he knock? It's gentle. Because it's driven by love. He says, I love you so much, I don't want to see you living the life you're living right now. I don't want to see you dealing with what you're dealing with right now. I want to see you free. I want to see you happy. I want to see you satisfied. And I'm the only one that can give you satisfaction. He says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And this morning, I believe there's somebody in here that's looking for rest. I believe there's somebody in here that's saying, well, he's knocked. And maybe you have a little more glimpse of his love today, and I pray that you do. I'm just sitting up here just reading the scriptures, and, and I pray that the Lord would talk to you in your own heart. Because it's him. It's not me. It's him who loves you. It's him who, who, who suffered the abuse for each one of us because of love. It was a love offering. It's always been because of love. It's always going to be because of love. It's all love. And he says, come to me because I love you. Give your life to me because I love you. Confess that you're a sinner because I love you. Repent and invite me into your heart because I love you and I want to change your life. And you will never be the same. And you will never look back. And you will be with me in paradise. That's the invitation. Same invitation that those guys got on the cross. They saw him in action. They say that he was within arm's reach of the Savior. Arm's reach. And denied him. Arms reach. It was that close. But that far away. How close are you today? You want to do it today? All you have to do. Is do exactly what he did. He just said. I'm a sinner. You are the savior. Take me. Is that hard? He didn't do any works. He could not do works. He was pinned to a cross. All he did was with his mind and his heart, and he spoke the words, Lord, remember me. So we're going to pray. And I pray if there's anybody here today that wants to actually, for the Lord to remember them, that while everybody's eyes are closed, that you would just say, put your hand up, and I'll pray for you. And then watch what God does in your heart and your life. So everybody, let's bow our heads. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. I want you to understand something. He's still the same Savior today. He's still going around the world loving people and saving people. 
And all we have to do is just say, yes, remember me. I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. Come into my heart. Is there anyone here today that wants to just have that relationship with him? To come to him. To be changed by him. Just put your hand up and put it down. Nobody's watching. God is watching, though. God is working in the hearts. It's his work. And it's his will that we be saved. Is there anyone? Put your hand up. Put it down. That's all you have to do. And Jesus is watching and wanting. Anyone. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. And we pray that you would have your will in each one of our lives. We pray that there's anyone here today that is like that man on the cross, Lord. That the heart is starting to crumble. That you would show them your love, Lord. Show them your kindness. And that they would invite you into their hearts. And for us, Lord, that know you, we pray that we would understand one important fact. That the love the world sees today is the love that comes from us. Is it that same love that was shown at Calvary saved us? Saved us for what reason? So that we can have a life, a fulfilled life. And help us, please, Lord, to go around and show the love of Christ because that's what our Savior has ordained his children to do is to be lovers, to show his love so that the world can be turned upside down and only love can do that. Only the Savior's love, only God's love can do that. Help us to have that love in our hearts and that our lives will be rich with that love and that we would express that to a world that's in need of love, in need of the Savior need to see him as he truly is. So we pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would keep our eyes on you and keep our wills committed to doing what we need to do to serve you. And we praise you and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.